Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Head of Athletic Development at Port Adelaide Football Club, Ian McKeown. Hi guys, welcome to episode 37 of the Pace Performance Podcast. So today I have my second guest coming from Port Adelaide in the AFL. So today we've got Ian McKeon, uh, really interesting chat with Ian. I'm going to keep this nice and brief, this introduction. Um, today we discuss assessing movement, we discuss movement assessment templates, specifically kind of FMS, the pros and cons, um, developing power in season, off season and pre-season and alternatives to Olympic lifting. So it's a great chat with Ian, uh, I'm sure you'll love it. Any comments that you have, just jump over to pacedperformance.co.uk, stick it in the comments box uh, and I'll make sure that Ian gets that and make sure he's aware and, and replies and that kind of thing. At the end of the episode does give all his contact details, so if you are interested um, in, in, in speaking to Ian a bit more in depth about what he says in the, in the podcast, just fire him an email, fire him a message on Twitter and he'll get back to you. All the show notes for this episode can be found at paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash 37. So all the links, all the content details for Ian uh, can all be found in there. And keep this nice and short. Enjoy the chat. And here is Ian McKeown. Hi guys, welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, uh, really excited again for another great guest, uh, Ian McKeown. So, just want to thank Ian for giving up his early morning, early Friday morning, um, to uh, to speak to on the podcast. So, just welcome Ian and get him to give us a little bit of information on his background, his experience, and what he's currently doing. So, welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Um, it's it's great to be part of such a such a great podcast. I, I know I always listen to it in the car and the way into work. So uh, love that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess obviously um, I'm from Northern Ireland originally. Um, I'm in Australia at the moment. Um, I did my undergrad at the University of Ulster. It um, and I did it in uh, in sports science at the time. Um, but what what was really lucky was at the time that I was um, sort of maybe second year was the time that the Sports Institute um, for Northern Ireland was just starting up as part of a UK sport funded project. Um, so um, I just happened to be at the right, right place at the right time. So pretty much as soon as I started my undergrad, um, my strength and conditioning career sort of became a, a little bit more of an interest as well, um, obviously doing sports science meant that uh, you know, I, I was really interested in the practical side of things. Um, so I was able to do uh, my placement year, so my third year placement I did at the university um, in the sports science um, department, but also in the institute. So while they were uh, starting off as a fledging sort of S&C delivery, I was able to be part of that and just sort of see how things sort of developed from the ground up, which was an incredible um, experience. Um, after after I graduated, I spent maybe maybe two or three years working for the the university um, in sort of various roles. Um, I guess 
uh, I started off as the performance services officer, which is pretty much like the commercial side of the sports science um, school. I think most universities have it now where I was, you know, people were paying for VO2 max tests or they were paying for, you know, body comp stuff or they're paying for training, training programs or you know, semi-professional teams were looking for someone just to give them a bit of uh, help in pre-season. So it was pretty much a one-man band and that was a, again, it was a difficult time as it was a sort of first time that anyone was really calling themselves an S&C coach outside of an institute set up back home, but, um, and, and the rugby set up, obviously. Um, so that was a, that was a, that was a good time. And that, that really stood me in good stead as a very young coach trying to battle through all the, the meetings as well as actually having to deal with a wide range of athletes. Um, from that then I was lucky enough to get a, an assistant SNC job at the Sports Institute for Northern Ireland, um, and I worked my way up through through the through the system for uh, four or five years. Um, and in that time, um, I looked after quite a few different sports. I was lucky enough to work with Irish hockey quite a lot um, over the years, doing some very cool stuff, particularly with the girls, um, the girls side of things. Um, and then in '09. Um, I applied on the successful with a, a PhD position uh, at the Australian Institute of Sport in Canberra, um, which was which was awesome. Um, that let me um, essentially be a full time coach in Australia while also doing a PhD. Uh, a PhD was in uh, movement ability and power development in junior elite athletes. Um, so that meant I could also work down at ACTAS, which is um, the ACT Academy of Sport, where I looked after uh, hockey and football. And yeah, I was able to get into lots of different sports and sort of entrench myself in the Australian sporting system. Um, I also did the, the Matildas at the time, so the women's national team, um, football team. So I looked after them for three years while I was in Canberra, um, which was which is another incredible experience. Um, and from there, finally, um, pretty much three years to the day that I, I sort of arrived off the boat, essentially in Canberra um, at the AIS, I packed up and moved down to, to Adelaide and started my, uh, my my sort of career down in the AFL, down in Port Adelaide with uh, Darren Burgess and, and, and the great team that are down there. Cool. So how did, the, um, how did Port Adelaide come about? Um, I guess you probably better ask him Berger that one, to be honest. Um, uh, Handpicked from started, thousands, wasn't uh, it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I could tell that I could bullshit you here. I'm not quite <laughs> sure that you'd believe me. Um, I guess, um, I guess it was a, probably a, like a, a real sort of conscious decision. Once I, once I moved, obviously it was a big move coming to Australia. And as part of that, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to really try and, you know, forge myself a reputation here. Um, so whether it's through, you know, getting a little bit more um, active on Twitter or blogging or, you know, those types of things, more just to keep people aware, you know, so they didn't forget about me back home. But then also, you know, trying to like really, I guess, um, put my money where my mouth is and, and not just talk about things behind, you know, behind closed doors or in my own office or in the gym, but, you know, if people are talking about stuff, try and be involved as possible. Um, and as part of that, I did the the UK SEM conference, which was in 
God, I can't remember. It was just before the maybe 2011, and I I just put together a poster abstract. Um, I was able to to get that funded to come up and uh, and spend a bit a few days in London. Um, and uh, yeah, Berger was speaking at it along with Craig Duncan and uh, Sandri Frankel Miller and those guys and Vern Gambetta, etc. And I just uh, just grabbed Berger for lunch one day along with Craig. And um, yeah, I, I must have made in some impression. Two years later, then he's he's asking me, did I want to come work for him? So it was uh, it was it was a uh, probably hopefully that's something to do with it and my sort of conscious decision to to be a bit better um with uh with uh, sort of more communication and that side of things that hopefully that had something to do with it yeah yeah so so how i mean i think people are kind of cutting on to the fact that that has to be done you can't just kind of sit in your in your home and, and expect things to come your way you've actually got got to go out and and get to know people and sit next to people for lunch and buy people lunch even I mean, put your hand in your pocket when you know once or twice um but how yeah. obviously that was important at that time um is it you know how how important is that for the people going forward yeah i think it's i think i think it's it's very important and um it's something that i'd always support um you know any we have a very open door policy at the club and you know Berger was always willing to speak to anybody and um because you know we went through the same process you know we were blind blind calling or blind emailing people and um you know you always want to have you know, you always want to pay that forward or pay that back, I guess, into the, the profession. Um, but the, I guess the, the thing for me is that people, um, you know, young coaches, um, et cetera, don't just um, take, I guess, or just come and they want to ask these questions and that's the end of the conversation. I think you've got to, you've got to try and offer something to the, you know, I, I think that's it, that's it, you know, like, um, you know, even if offering is just, you know, like I'm willing to, to, to you know, to, to make the investment to come down and spend some time with you, you know, I can, I can help out wherever you need me to or whatever. Um, you know, we've, we've got, we've got help here, but it's always nice to have, you know, to have someone new and we would always be very welcoming of it. Um, we always get our guy, um, anyone who does visit, we try and get them to present on what they are interested in at that time. And it, it causes create. Uh, you know, a little bit of discussion around um, around our our performance team, I guess. So you know, we've had guys come in and talk to us about, you know, say blood flow restriction training, or we've had guys come in and talk to us about, um, you know, what the, uh, we've had Grant Jenkins come in and th- sort of throw some curly questions at us from a you know a, an athlete, a, we call it like a developmental coach model sort of point of view, and you know, it just causes a, a little bit of discussion, and that's. That's what we want. We don't want just people coming in and then you know asking how how to use GPS and then going home again. We want to we want it to be an engaging process for everybody. So that's probably one of the big things that I'm starting to notice is that yeah, sure we'll we'll not say no to, to anybody, but it's it's being able to that the person who you remember or the people who actually offer you something as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's cool. So I just I just want to um. Get a, delve a little bit deeper into your kind of um, the things that you're doing at Port Adelaide and your and your, your PhD a little bit. So yeah. um, when it comes to assessing movement, I sent a couple of obviously a couple of questions over to you, and that was one that kind of came to me on a on a selfish point of view. So when when it comes to assessing movement in in the guys that you're working with or have worked with in the past, is there any specific models that you're kind of attached to or um, that you've um, had success with in the past? 
Yeah, like I guess um like I've been incredibly lucky to have some to some great people influence me and mentor me along the way. So whether it was Kelvin Giles, I spent a lot of time with him back in the UK as well as down in Oz. Um spent in darkened rooms talking about what comes first, you know, uh, in terms of the athletic pathway and static versus dynamic and squat lunge, push pull rotation. We've all heard we've all heard him talk about it and it's it's an incredible um I've been incredibly lucky because the guys and the guys are forced to be reckoned with. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess, like, so from a from a uh, an assessing movement point of view, I, like I'm I'm I've written the 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 AAA, which is the athletic ability assessment, um, and it's not necessarily um, a bunch of exercises or movements, um, which I feel that are are. Or more applicable or, or less applicable than anything else or anything like that. It's more just trying to, it's more about the system and the, um, trying to get coaches to break down how, what they feel is important, being able to then tease further and tell me what in that movement is important. And then being able to score it in a way which stands, stands up against the rigor of, of other sports science methods, such as, you know, lactate testing, you know, VO2 max testing, you know, uh, 1RM scores, you know, we, we all know what a small worthwhile change is. We all know what is a meaningful difference. We all know the difference in, in, in testers and our intertester reliability. Why can't we do that from a, a coaching point of view as well? What I found when, uh, whether it was working at the AIS or ACTAS or back, back in Sinai, is it, um, as an SNC coach, you know, when you do your, um, like your, uh, what you call it, like a service level agreement or what you're going to do that year with that coach. Okay, and my athletes, we're going to get them stronger. We're going to get them, um, we're going to get them, maybe we're going to get them leaner. We're going to make them move better. So when we're talking about getting them stronger, we, okay, you can improve their 1RM scores or you can do that. And, but when you're working in a developmental space and even at the, the elite end, it's not about chasing numbers to a certain degree. Like I, I'm, my, my philosophy is aligned to you know, making guys as athletic as possible. Sure, there's a strength element to that and a power element, but it's also about making them as athletic as possible, which includes their athleticism and, and you know, moving well. And I find that you know, whenever you're sitting in a room with a biomechanist and a physiologist and you know, you've got your, um, maybe your performance skills coach and the, the coach himself, and you're you're trying to sell them. Oh, well, I'm actually just going to I'm going to make these guys move better. They're going to be more resilient because they're moving better. They're going to you know they're not going to get injured. They're going to be they're going to actually going to perform better for you, coach. Um, and then you turn around and well, okay, in a sort of bureaucratic system, you have to put something on paper which which says they're going to move better. And uh, it's all it's all subjective. There's no, you know, it's, it's a one coach's eye versus another, um, that can change. And from the outside looking in, that's a very fluffy system. Um, and that's what, um, sort of doing my PhD, I was trying to, uh, trying to tackle some of these issues from, a, you know, the S and C coach's perspective, which is, you know, well, you're a coach first and maybe you, you delve into sports science second, but, um, I feel that, you know, you should be able to take the positives of both. And be able to mel meld yourself into this, this really, you know, never mind the athlete being resilient and anti fragile. You know, the coach, the S and C coach should be able to do that. And as part of that, I guess the AAA um, was my attempt at, at sort of 
sort of being the conduit between the two. Um, and that's that's what I'm trying to do with uh, with with our work currently at Port Adelaide and a, and a few other clubs and um, universities around Australia. Um, and and anybody else who wants to join on, I'm quite happy to talk to them about talk to them about it, and then we can discuss what what's relevant for you. I think with with assessment and and uh, particularly along with movement, it's people that you obviously you know, very typically will go down the FMS route, or or they'll they'll talk about it. And, Either it's a very polarizing subject, and people either jump on it or or they they're they're completely against it. But I think what what people have to think of first of all, or what coaches should be thinking of first of all, is is why are they assessing, and what are they trying to get out of the assessment? Um, you know, from a a screening tool point of view, so whether you're safe enough to actually train, but from from an assessment, why I call it an assessment, and why we try and change what we what, the way we're thinking about it is that our athletes have to train or our players have to have to train and compete at a certain level and a screen doesn't cut it in terms of just being able to say yes or no. We want to have it aligned and this is a little bit more what Kelvin would talk about is, is having the levels of, of difficulty and, and complexity improve as, as you go through the developmental space. So where you graduate from, you know, from doing a, you know, a a body with single leg, uh, body with single leg squat to maybe like a, a loaded walking lunge to, you know, the, the sort of the, the progressions which which are in place, and that has to be aligned to the the physical uh, structural demands of the sport, not necessarily from a competition point of view, but then also from a training point of view, and um, sort of to to not talk about this for the next four hours for you guys. Um, <laughs> that it is it is something which which I think that um, which we can get to and hopefully like I find that the AAA is a vehicle for that. Um, so like for example, we've identified uh, through our AAA assessment is that and this is stuff that um, that Carl Woods at um, he's just moved to James Cook University um, in Cairns and uh, he's 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 helping me out with the the sort of the more academic side of things. And what we've been able to show is that our our elite players, our guys that are in five year plus in the system, are significantly and meaningfully different to the guys that are maybe in their first two to three years at the club. Um, so they're well above the average in terms of how they move. And then even when we get our draftees or our guys that are under 18s or an academy system, they're they're really far down. So if you imagine if it was a score, it was a hundred percent in a very, very basic test, our elite guys, our guys that are, you know, playing at Adelaide Oval in front of fifty five thousand people, etc., they're getting on average, sort of between eighty, eighty five plus in the, so they're getting like an A or an A plus or an A star. Um but unfortunately the academy guys are the guys that are starting off and are still training to a very, very high standard are maybe only getting 30-40% on things like being able to do um, a single leg RDL or an arabesque or whatever you want to call it, you know, a double lunge, a push-up or pull-up, you know, these types of really basic exercises, they, they're, they're failing at that level. So that gives us something which we need to work on and try and sort of rise that tide or, or push those guys through. Um, so we've been able to identify that as one of the things which, you know, which we can 
sort of hang our hat on, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I know you said you didn't want to talk about it for the next four hours, but I'm going to ask you more questions on it. Um, so the the AAA assessment, do you just want to give us a bit more of a, a kind of a, a detail, if you can, um, what kind of what what that entails? Sure. Um, so I guess everyone's going to have their own sort of modified version of it. Um, again, as I said, you want it to be um, applicable to your guys. So so um, I'm not going to say that, um, for example, a body weight double lunge um, for a elite track and field squad is what you're necessarily looking at compared to a rugby squad. Um, it's going to be different. Um, but what what is the same is, is we look at a, a scoring grid of three by three per exercise. So you know, you've, pretty much you've got your, your, three, your three scoring criteria, so your three coaching points, which you as a coach or you as a coaching group feel are the three critical things that you're looking for. Um, the reason why you're putting an exercise in or you want to assess an exercise. So for for me, I put in an overhead squat. I'm looking for depth of the squat. I'm looking for their trunk control. So if they're getting any flex and extension um, through the lumbers, lumbar pelvic control and whether and what is the, the compensatory pattern that they're getting overhead or from sort of from the shoulders up. What what are they doing to get that bar overhead? Um, but for another coach, they might they might be really pretty. Uh, they might be overhead athletes. So we're trying to really go after the overhead side of things. Um, that's not for me to dictate why you put something in there. I think that that's the the organic part of the scoring and part of the system, is that you can chop and change in what you feel are the important elements of that of that um, of that movement. From there, then you're looking at um, you can do it repeatedly and perfectly. You can, so that'd be like a, a score of three, a, th- a score of two for that coaching point would be um, you're capable of doing it, but you just can't consistently doing it, you can't do, do it. So it might be for five reps. Maybe you can do the first one and you fall forward or you can you maybe get the one in the middle. So you, there's potential there, but you're just not, you haven't ingrained it enough. And then a one would be, you just can't do it. You just can't get your hands overhead and keep yourself in a relatively good position, or your kiss can't get the depth. You're just not in it looking like you're going to get near it. Um, and then obviously, like to, to, to preface that is if anybody's in pain or if anybody you know, physically can't do it, they don't do it. I'm not going to force people to do it. And I know that, you know, pain has an influence on, the, on that movement. I'm not going to, I'm not going to force them to do it and then score it and show them that they're bad because they're in pain. Okay. Well, once they get rid of the pain, they might be a change in pattern. So we don't we try and not muddy the water as as much as possible. Um, and we do that we do that scoring system. So it's quite it's a tick box system. Um, it's really easy to set up, and then you might do it for you know again. It depends on on the level of athlete and what you're looking for from your from from the assessment. But typically stick to about five six exercises um, or movements, and we can run through that in maybe. Um, like I get through the whole squad in the morning, um, and they'll do that as maybe part of their warm up for that gym session. Maybe it's an easy session. We'll do that as the warm up for it, and they they fly through. Um, obviously, our guys know the, know the drill, and are you know, get a bit of a system going. But um, it's not a it's not really that time intensive compared to other things, and it's a 
the idea is that it, it formalizes your coaching eye a little bit, which from a developmental or junior coach point of view is a really um, important um, thing. So you know, if, if you're, you're mentoring guys and you want them just to see what they're actually, you know, what can you see, I guess, as a, as a coach, that's a really important thing to be able to do, obviously. And um, you can formalize that learning a little bit more. Uh, there's there's many plus points to doing it to, to doing it that way I feel um, and yeah that, that hopefully that gives you a little bit of an insight there are some uh, academic papers out there on it uh, and we're doing plenty more work uh, around it but I guess the the big thing for me is if anybody is finds it interesting or intriguing is to probably um, shoot me shoot me a line and and we can talk about it a little bit more in depth because you know, every as I said I'm I'm very careful of making sure that. Um, that we're doing it in an appropriate way for for each environment, and we're 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 tailoring it so that um, that each coaching group or each team or each each organisation is getting is getting what they want out of it, rather than me trying to you know hammer a, a square peg into a round hole. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. I mean, you mentioned that it's 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 a system as well as a kind of assessment. So depending on what depending on what scores they get, does that kind of funnel them into a into a certain kind of intervention um, for each for each strand. Yeah, well, I guess I guess I try to you know looking at the FMS and the, the correctives I guess yeah. they give for the. Um, I don't have a necessarily a um, you know like a, a mind map or a decision tree which which people work their way through. Um, I'm not going to um, sit here and tell you know some of the greatest coaches or people that I respect, this is how to to deal with it. this guy's particular overhead squat mechanics. Um I feel that you have to give the you know you're giving everybody the professional respect to go after it how they feel is appropriate. Because you know people have got different environments, different athletes, different um uh, you know the, the athlete themselves can you know learn in different ways. So you know be telling them that they need to do this versus that and, I feel that that if if we're at least giving a a tool or a, a system a, a philosophy of thinking which then enables the coach then to delve deeper and get something um, meaningful out of the assessment that's that's more what I'm about um, and then then letting the coach be creative and and get the reward and the accountability that they deserve from it mm-hmm. cool. So I mean, just just to kind of backpedal a little bit, um, your your official title at, at Port Adelaide is head of athletic development. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So so how, so how does that fit in to the the kind of overall performance team? Where where do you fit into that into that team? Yep. So um, I guess you've got you've got Berger at the top, who's performance uh, performance director or or some such title. Um, I think he changes it every week as well. <laughs> um, we're all we're all as bad as each other. Um, under underneath Berger, then um, there's myself um, as head of athletic development. We've got a head of sports science, which is Stuart Graham, um, who's an incredible incredible mind and and's doing some phenomenal things with GPS and load monitoring. Load monitoring. And then we've got a head of physical therapies, um, Tim O'Leary, who's um, essentially head of um, the the medical side of things, so the physios and the, the massage soft tissue um, side of things. And then we've got a, a, the, the doctors that sort of sit out to the side of that. Um, it's just the AFL structure. Um, that pretty much how it sits. And underneath underneath myself, I've got uh, two 
SNC coaches um, who help me out and who have their, their own um, players to look after. And then we've also got an honours student and a PhD student working with us as well who support our system and our, our programme. But then also um, they look after the the Magpies, which is the SA NFL team, which is the, um, I guess, the local professional league mm-hmm. down here. Cool. So I just want to kind of delve into that um into that role a little bit more with regards mm-hmm. to um, kind of developing power for your guys. Obviously, we were talking yep. before about the kind of athletes you're getting um, yep. through, the, through the doors in, in the AFL. Um, so you just want to talk to us a little bit about how you're kind of developing power, um, obviously in season now, but a couple of weeks back in the in the preseason. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, I guess from my point of view, the way that I, I tackle... Um, the strength and power development of our guys is it, um, it's sort of, again, it's under the, the umbrella, I guess, of athleticism. Um, so we, we aren't um, doing Olympic lifts with our guys at the moment. Um, I love Olympic lifts. I'm you know, a big advocate of, of them when they, when they fit into the program and the athlete and it's appropriate for the athletes. It's, it's not in our environment at the moment. Our guys aren't that skillful. Um, from a movement point of view, to be able to load it to the appropriate levels, so we don't do it. we we find other ways to play around with with our power development, particularly in a loaded environment such as trap bar jumps. Um, we do loaded jump squats. We'll do unloaded jump squats. Um, we spend a lot of time working on, um, I guess, unloaded uh, and and loaded you know, step up type work or. Um, and we're trying to transfer our strength qualities into how we run. I guess is, is probably where we're going down a lot, um, which is more your skill acquisition side of power, I guess, and, and using that potential that you've got. Um, yeah, so the, it's really quite a, 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 I guess, a boring answer to be honest. But um, but we're continually developing that. So although we have a, a periodization model. Um, what we find is that is that we sh- we're pushing the envelope the whole way through the the year, whether it's in season or preseason. Um, preseason, we're spending the time, I guess, preparing our guys to, you know, to be stronger and more powerful. But to be honest, uh, an AFL preseason is absolutely obnoxiously brutal. Um, our guys are doing so much volume in terms of out on the field that that our main my main job is to. Is to ensure that they are a hundred percent out on the field. So um, before we even look at some sort of uh, performance improvements um, with their physical qualities, so you're making sure that they're. You know, um, I'm a big advocate of uh, Dave Tenney and uh, you know the the anti fragile sort of way that he talks about things. And I know that's that comes from the book, but I I love the the, the analogy with it. Um, so we're making our guys anti fragile um, throughout preseason. And even in season, and that's the priority. Then we start to work on, I guess, the the sexier stuff outside of that. Um, we we load um, where we can. So um, with our squats and things, we're we're not capable with a lot of the guys. Um, they don't have a, I guess, a development structure where they're they're they're, they're in a formalized training environment. Um, through you know through the the sixteens the eighteens and then into the into the senior ranks, um, a lot of the guys who turn up at our door after being drafted as an elite player, I've never been in the gym before, or don't know how to do a proper warm up. Um, so never mind 
you know, having a, a, a rep range or a loading scheme for these guys to get stronger through squats and, and, uh, you know, power cleans, whatever, whatever you may desire. We actually have to teach them how to move properly first. And that takes a lot of time. And these guys are, some of them are you know, 90, 100 kilos and are expected to play in their first year, but yet they're, they're like little kittens in the gym. So, um, we've got to try and, and, um, create this environment where we're pushing them and making them better and making them more athletic while still trying to, to fight the fires and trying to, um, to, to, um, sort of backfill their athleticism because they, they, they've got to where they are because they're freaks. They are, they're incredible guys, but, um, they're starting to, you know, to cash in checks that you know, the body can't handle essentially. And, and we've got to try and, and try and backfill that. So I guess a lot of our time is spent doing that. Um, so yeah, like in terms of um, strength and power and what we do, um, it's it's probably I don't think we're doing any anything that nobody else is doing. But what I would like to hang my hat on is that we're um, sorry, excuse my French, but we're we're coaching the shit out of it, and we're we're making sure our guys are you know we're hanging our hat on our guys being the most athletic team in the AFL, if not in terms of across codes, we're making sure that our guys are. You know, everyone lords AFL as being these incredible athletes. Yeah. But we're going to make sure that our guys are the best of those incredible athletes. So that's the, that's my challenge. And that includes strength and power, obviously. But, um, we, we try and, we try and make it a, a little bit wider, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm. So do you, I mean, you mentioned about doing things simple and, and coaching the hell out of it. Um, do you think there's a bit of a, um, kind of a need? People think there's a need to do things that are a bit outlandish rather than actually reining it back in and just doing the simple things really well? Yeah, I, I guess uh, outlandish is probably, I guess it depends on, it depends on where you're at um, with your athletes. Um, you know, for me, two years ago, outlandish would have been doing cleans or would have been um, even doing some of the velocity-based training. You know, our guys that weren't capable of moving well enough to be able to, you know, to apply and be, you know, to get rid of the noise of those tests or, the, or those movements to be actually able to, to use it in a way which was accurate or, you know, in any way scientific, in any way, you know, being able to see if we were making any changes. So I guess, you know, for me, like all the incredible, you know, the technology that's out there, and, you know, we use GymAware a lot now, but, but back, Two three years ago, we we couldn't have done that, um, and it, it would have been inappropriate. So we spent you spend the time trying to chase in other ways, um, and that's probably you know everyone's trying to look for the new, uh, you know the golden nugget, the new the new method, the new the new technology which is going to change change how they train. But I think it's it's not necessarily you know applying anything new, but it's 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 developing yourself in a, a logical system. Over years, possibly, if you if you're lucky enough to get a chance to spend time to plan over years and put these things in place in a way which actually are going to make a difference, rather than just putting in place and and um, it's nearly a little bit um, hearsay, you know, that you're actually just you just you're just going through the motions with it. Oh, I got three thousand watts today. Oh, well, you you're, you're lifting it like an absolute idiot. So it's not appropriate at all. Um, so it's just trying to ingrain that and, you know, I guess the patience and the, the, 
the and and saying you know this obviously in professional sports sometimes that doesn't necessarily happen and you know you you got to get them ready for Saturday and I think with our playing group and our coaching group I think that's an important thing to mention is that is that they have they have, have incredible trust um, and patience with us and they know that they know the journey that we're on and they buy into that journey and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get there um, so. We are, we are afforded a little bit more time than possibly you would get, say, at a you know at a at a rugby club looking after the under twenties, where you got to get these guys ready to play, you know, next year, and they're playing against some absolute animals. We're in the same position, but we've been given just a little bit more time. So hopefully, we can ingrain um, these um, the athleticism a little bit more. Cool. So again, you, you mentioned. Um before we, we started recording about um, a skill acquisition session and you just mentioned yeah. it there about um, kind of tra- increasing that transference from from your, from your strength work onto actually what happens on the pitch. Can you just talk to us a little bit about the kind of things that you do in them sessions? Sure. Um, so I guess in season we have, a, we have a session which is two days before the game um, and traditionally in strength um, power sports They'll do this the day of the game, or maybe the day before the game, where they you know the primer type session, um, where you're hormonally priming yourself to get ready for the session. Um, in AFL, we're we're not hormonally priming them three days out from a game. Don't worry. It's more. Um, it's just the term that I've taken from from the, the sort of the more. Um, I guess that the the higher end, the sharper end of the of the um, the strength continuum. In those sports, um, so we call it prime time or we've got a prime primer session, which is more where we're trying to um, to take the strength qualities which we work so hard on developing, and actually make them into worthwhile patterns or worthwhile physical qualities, which actually directly influence how they play the game. Um, so uh, the first step for me is was was going to the coaches and saying like. You, what are you talking to the, your players about um, from a, a line? So the, the, the backs talking to the backs coach, the mids talking to the mids coach, etc. And say, what are you physically trying to get these guys to do? And what are they struggling with? So typically, uh, so rather than them just being able to come back and say, oh, I just want them to get stronger and faster. Okay, great. We're doing that anyway. But how do we make them better footballers because my job is to make them better footballers it's not just to make them stronger in the gym it's to make them more athletic and make them better footballers so um when you go to the coaches and you actually go with that type of question they come back with some really interesting um concepts and ideas so i guess it's nearly like a joint coaching session um and i wouldn't dare try and um coach Aussie rules or any other sport. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. I'm looking at it more from a movement point of view. I'll let the, the, the context and the technical, technical side of things be, be driven by the coaches. Absolutely. There's no, there's no question of that, but it's, it's more from a, from a, from a physical, the, the physical attributes which underpin what they're trying to do. I try and help them with it. So, um, for the backs, it could be, um, simple things like body position when they're marking guys. How do we make sure that they're in the right positions? How do they transfer from that body position into um, into running very fast in one direction or another? With our mids, it might be how do you explode out from those contests? So from when there's when there's 15, 
people around the ball, how do you get from that low position on the ground away and, and be able to collect the ball? Or how do you tackle or how do you, how do you set yourself up for that? Um, so we try and we try and play around with the, the physical qualities. Um, typically, you know, we do a little bit of plyos, we do a little bit more explosive work, but then we also add in these, these other drills, uh, I guess, as well, which is where we try and, so from a, a skill act point of view for the game, we try and do that. We also do a lot of, we spend a lot of time putting a very slow drip um, sort of theory into how we get these guys to run better. Our guys, it's a running sport. Our guys are running, yeah, some of the, the numbers are ridiculous for, from a preseason point of view, but then also in games. So typically they've never been taught how to run and they've got to where they are being absolute freaks. But what happens then is sometimes they're breaking, they're breaking down because they're pushing to the edge. So we are trying to put in, whether it's hamstring injuries or, uh, you know, hip flexors, groins or bony stuff, we're slowly but surely putting in place a, um, a technical model, which allows us to make our guys more efficient, more explosive, um, and just give them a little bit more economy in, in their running, uh, particularly the top end type running, where we're actually getting them to push that envelope a little bit more. Um, so I've I've bastardized everybody going out there um, from from Bosch's work, from Franz Bosch's work, who's obviously very popular um, in the UK and obviously down in Oz as well. Um, but then also a huge influence on me is the um, Dan Paff and Stu McMillan at the World Athletic Center. Um, so I try and use as much of, of, of what they taught me, but use it in a way which is context specific and, and we're actually able to, to make some changes. And that's, that's been huge. So from a small, from a slow drip point of view, what I mean is, is we've been doing things for the last 18 months, maybe in warm ups, um, maybe in gym warm ups. Just getting them to to understand what a free hip is, understanding how to link their trunk to their hips to a single leg stance. Then we started looking at you know maybe in the gym session, how are we coaching um, lunges? How are we coaching um, step ups? How are we? What are we looking at when we're doing those exercises? And then trying to to put a take on it, which is very deliberate, but it's putting the coaching points which we want to get across when we do warm ups outside or we're you know, we're taking them through conditioning drills. What are the cues that I'm going to use out there? Can I get them embedded earlier on in the process? So in terms of that sort of slow drip theory, that's, that's what we're trying to do is, is put that in place. And we've we've taken our time to get there. Um, but now you know, we're spending a lot of time doing dribbles um, in our warm-ups. Um, we're spending a lot of time in this in the strength sessions, looking at single leg extension work. So whether it's a back extension, single leg back extension, or we're looking at um, you know single you know, sort of step up step up to box type work, or you know the, those those lovely exercises you see of videos of people who go to the the France Bosch workshops and things like that. We we're playing around with that and and trying to use the skill act um, theory, which 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 he talks about, but being able to challenge it in in our environment with our guys. So that, that's pretty much, I guess, again, another long answer. I'm sorry, but um, that's all right. <laughs> we're trying we're trying to do uh, skill act from, I guess, from a um, uh, the footy specific type work, but then also from a, um, I guess it's footy specific, but in a, in a way which is more more looking after the running model, which we're trying to get to as well. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds great. So, did you go across to uh, Arizona? Yeah, yeah, I, I was incredibly 
incredibly fortunate to spend um, a bit of time there last off season, so in October time. So um, I was able to spend some time with Stu and Dan, um, and they were very kind to to sit and listen to me talk about um, athletic development in in AFL and and sort of the trials and tribulations of of, of how to program and coach a, an AFL squad compared to you know what they're used to in the sort of the track and field world, um, and it was a, a an enlightening eye-opening experience and I'll definitely be back plenty of times to, to, to keep to keep moving forward with with my uh, with my knowledge and my experience of, of that world because it's 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 incredible yeah but no it looks um, that the plus loads of stuff on on social media don't they? it looks yeah. it's great the, the kind of stuff they're doing out there um, but I know it's um, it's early in the morning for you I don't want to keep you too long before you have your breakfast and go to work um, so I just want to kind of uh, round up a little bit but have you got any kind of events that you're going to? Anything up and coming? Where, where can people catch catch you and what kind of things you got going on? Sure. Um, I guess uh, I don't actually. I'm actually pretty quiet at the moment. Um, uh, down here, yeah. I, I don't really have too much. I guess the big thing is the the new short course, which the club are running in conjunction with UniSA um, down in down in Adelaide. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen that. Um, yeah, I think I saw it. It's been a, it's been a little bit on social media. Yeah, um, yeah. Ready. Um, so I'll I'll be part of that that faculty, um, which is which is really exciting. It's very new um, for us. Um, I guess for everybody, it's very new. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a very very cool um, experience for, for people. Um, and there'll be there'll be more than that, that one. So that's that's going to be pretty cool. So I'll be part of that. Um, yeah, and look, as I said before, um, you know, if anybody does, you know want me to clarify on some of the stuff that I'm talking about or or maybe you know delve deeper into AAA or or anything else for that matter. Like, you know, I I'm 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 on Skype quite a lot with people. So like I I'm I'm more than happy to do that or or emails or whatever, you know, drop me a line on Twitter. I'm I'm more than happy to to talk to people and and you know it it's as it's as much for me as it is for them. So so like I, I'm more than happy to, to do that. No, that sounds great. That sounds great, mate. Thank you very much. Um, this the triple A is that um, is that published anywhere? Or is there any kind of written written work about that? What what you've done? Yeah, there, there's a there is a paper in um, International Journal of Sports Physical Therapy. Um, I, I believe it was in the the December um, issue last year, so December two thousand fourteen. Um, but again, you know, most of my work I'll, I'll stick on academia. Dot edu, I think it is, or dot com, or something like that. Or I'll stick it on ResearchGate as well. So if anybody you know wants access to the papers and um, they they don't have access to to, to certain journals, then they, they should be able to find things. Throughout. My my thesis is on there as well, and pretty much anything I'm associated with, I'll try and make sure that that it's that people people know where to at least look at the abstracts. Yeah, of course. Well, I'll I'll try to get them and I'll I'll um well, I will get them and stick them on the stick them on the site where this is going to go um so people, oh, can, get, people yeah. can get access to it pretty pretty easily hopefully um so yeah i really appreciate your time your 45 minutes you've given up just straight out of bed uh, <laughs> so thank you very much um really really interesting i've taken loads of notes um as i always do with all these kind of things um so yeah thank you very much really appreciate your time and good luck for the rest of the season uh, thank you it's, it's been a pleasure thanks for having me no problem mate and i'll speak to you soon Okay, thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for tuning in to episode 37 of the Pace of Performance podcast. Hope you enjoyed the chat with Ian. As I mentioned in the intro, you can catch up with all the show notes from the episode with Ian on paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash 37. So there's all the links on there. So if you want to check out all the previous episodes of the podcast and you haven't checked them out yet, just go over to paceyperformance.co.uk forward slash podcast. So we've got some great guests coming up over the next couple of weeks, so make sure you check them out. You can subscribe on iTunes and YouTube, and don't forget to keep checking back to the paceperformance.co.uk site, and all the previous episodes and future episodes will also be on there. And I will catch you in episode 38. 